Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Uh, myself, Travis, joined here by my co-host and redheaded stepchild, Matt Cantrell. Matt, how you doing today? It's doing a lot better before that intro. Travis, how are you? Did I say something false? Nope. That's why I was doing better before. <laughs> Gather yourself, gather your feelings, compose. <laughs> Onward we go. What's new in your world? Get, let's let's just do quick. Like what's what's new? What's 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 been new for you? Interesting for you? Something you're learning? Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot, a whole lot new for us right now. Um, something that I've something I've been learning. I mean, I've gotten to preach the last two weeks, so just sitting in the gospel in Romans five. Uh, sitting in the reality of uh, Adam and Christ and just kind of our, our natures, what God offers us uh, in Christ, where we sit without him. One of the, the really cool phrases that, that I read last week that I don't know if I got to use from the pulpit, uh, you and I are both a fan of Andrew Murray's book, Humility. Mm, amen. Tremendous. Um, he describes... The, the positioning with Christ, our natural position with Christ in following him as a blessed humility, which I thought was just a phenomenal way of describing submission to God and, and just humility kind of being the, the living outside of ourselves, living for someone and uh, kind of that, that John 15, like abiding in him. Mm-hmm. I just love that phrase, blessed humility. So I've kind of been rolling around with that. How about yourself? Uh, that's good. Um I was I was thinking as you were talking that some people probably don't. Uh, I was I was wondering because you, your your sermon this last week one thing that really stood out was the shadow uh, example of you and Micah and he's always like trying to step on your shadow mm-hmm. and but when he hurts himself he doesn't run to the shadow he runs to you because you're the fulfillment of the shadow mm-hmm. and how that's Jesus is the fulfillment to us yeah um, which I thought was a great example Thank you. Uh, but I think. Uh, People probably don't know, like, during the week, like, we sit and we'll talk about, like, feedback on the sermon um, and give pointers and thoughts and ideas. I, here's here's my take. Yeah. I think when I give you pointers and feedback and stuff like that, it's actually, it feels like a wrestling match. Would you concur with that or would you? Who are you wrestling with, me? Well, like, we're wrestling with each other on, like, thoughts and ideas and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Is it a helpful a, thing, or or does it throughout the week? Yeah, do you find it helpful, or does it more like frustrate you? Um, yes. <laughs> Is that a good answer? Yes, because we'll, we'll sit down and we'll talk and we'll like you know for people that don't know we were like, uh, hey, this is what I thought you did really well, and this is areas where you can improve. And what's funny is we're wired a little bit differently. In in our maybe our approach to it, mm-hmm. but um, sometimes I think I'll I'll throw out some thoughts or ideas, and you're like, "What do I do with these?" Yes, I would describe thing. my entire sermon prep as a wrestling match. Okay, wrestling with myself most of the time, wrestling with God, wrestling with um, some some let's say sin that I'm struggling with, pride. Um, identity like a lot of it I would say is a wrestling match so yeah when you get in the mix I it, would say that it just adds another interlocutor yes I think I used that word right 
So yes, a wrestling match. I think that's probably a good description. Where does the joy come in? The joy comes in sitting. Like, are you are, for me, or are you saying? Yeah, for you. Yeah, like for when... me, the joy comes in taking something that um, that I don't have a a wonderful grasp on, and then just sitting in it. Um, this is going to sound really negative, but like kind of being broken down by it. Like, there's actually a freedom in that. Um, the joy comes from just getting to sit in God's word and just slowly, like minute by minute, recognize how much more depth the text has, scripture has, than I thought. And then the the, the most joy for me is between sitting in the gospel for myself and then taking it and proclaiming it to others and then realizing at the same time as I'm preaching to, to whomever is around, I'm preaching to myself also, which kind of gives me chills a lot of times of like, oh, yeah, this is the gospel. Yeah. And it applies good. to them and me. That's cool. That's awesome. I think that I think that, that uh it describes it well that um when whenever you're preaching that you are wrestling with lots of ideas and thoughts and scriptures and your own flesh, your own thoughts. Um you're trying to you know, say, Man, am I obeying this? Am I putting this into practice? But like like you're saying, the joy I I love the the joy for me is in something that you know really stands out. It jumps out to me, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun to share with mm-hmm. people. Like I'm gonna you know that's and sometimes it's a joy that's just self fulfilled. It's like that was really that stuck out to me probably because of something in my life, and mm-hmm. it didn't really resonate with anyone else uh, yeah. in the same way or or whatever. So I would describe your interaction throughout the week from my perspective as like riding a wave. I was going to say lazy river, but that sounds kind of condescending. And w- wait, what is riding a wave? Riding a wave, like you have thoughts that are coming up and you're basically like letting them drive you throughout the week. Yeah. And that's like everyone who's around kind of gets, gets swallowed up by the wave. Like you're communicating throughout the week, what you're learning, you're excited about it. And, and then it kind of like comes to fruition on Sunday and you get to share all of it together. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like wrestling, but being on a wave sounds a lot it sounds a lot easier. It's maybe sometimes I feel like I'm on a wave, but I don't have a uh, a board, a surfboard. Instead, I'm just rolling around in the in the middle of it. Well, and we're we like like we're can- I don't know. I'll speak for me. Like I'm a Kansas kid, so I'm always I've always lived in uh, you know landlocked areas, and so I've never lived. I mean, I guess I. For a little bit. Are you taking the wave thing to a whole other? No, I'm just yeah. I'm, I'm I'm going to the ultimate extreme of like we don't we only see waves that like when we think of waves we think of really big waves and not you know probably what most people see who live by oceans and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, anyways, just just interesting. Uh, you know the the symbolism of yeah riding a wave and. Mm-hmm. Letting it, yeah, that's good. Sometimes I feel like the kid, if you've ever been at the beach, where you see like a an eight-year-old that's standing and facing the beach, and then he turns around, and a wave comes and just smacks him in the chest and knocks him over. That's a good, yeah. That... Sorry, I got all these illustrations just rolling out <laughs> you of me have a lot the of <laughs> <laughs> That part of my brain's been on for a couple weeks. Um, no, that's good. 
um, at the beginning of this week, so you, it, this will actually come out the Monday after the week, uh, <coughs> a tragedy struck uh, in Nashville, Tennessee, where there was a, a shooting um, where 28-year-old 20, shot and killed three people, three, three nine-year-old kids and uh, three adults. Three adults. Yeah. And so uh, a little of that we wanted to kind of talk about today in, in, the, in this context. Um, I think the natural rhythm for, for us in our, in our country and in our world is we, uh, something like this strikes and it's tragic and it's awful and it's sad and horrendous and all of the above, you know, describe it in whatever way you want. That's just awful. Mm-hmm. And then we immediately kind of glue into, uh, media sources, debates, and it becomes political very quickly you know, what do we do with guns? And, oh, it's not guns, it's it's the people. And it's not people, it's guns. And and then there's a whole mess of other things that come out. Oh, so they've got a manifesto and they've got this, that, and the other that yeah. we're looking at. And, and so, there, so then it becomes, and like every single, you know, article you read or show you're watching or, or media that you're kind of involved in, you're seeing some debate about what to do and how to do it and all, all of that, mm-hmm. um, which, which brings to mind like, okay, we're, we're not uh, experts in any field I just mentioned. We're not experts in media. We're not experts mm-hmm. in reporting or journalism. We're not experts when it, we don't work in schools and stuff like that. Yeah. It hits close to home when you're a parent, um, for sure, when you're like, man, they, they were shot and killed while being in school, which you're like, this needs to be a safe place and all that. Yeah. So, so uh, what, what comes to mind, though, is uh, for us, especially as Christians and following Jesus and, um, you know, uh, taking Jesus seriously, we, we don't want to, like, divorce ourselves from the world and just act like, well, that doesn't affect us because it's in Nashville. What do we do, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think, like, how do I, how do I personally process when tragedies like this happen? Um, one, I think I immediately go to this. This week was real because real, real for me in this sense that these were nine-year-old kids. My, mm-hmm. you know, London is nine and Emma's eight. Yeah, and they're doing they do like active shooter trainings at school. Yeah. And so I hate that. I hate that reality mm-hmm. that that's that's something that's uh, that that my kids have to participate in being trained in. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. that's a real thing. Right. Um, I I I also hate that this conversation gets diluted into a political conversation because mm-hmm. as a pastor, I immediately go into it being this is about humanity. Right. Right. This is about uh, soul level issues, um, and what brings that to mind for me uh, as I have a roundabout way of getting completely into the conversation because there's so many different facets of this. But um, from a spiritual sense, what I see the the world and the culture saying about this is uh, probably best summed up in. Uh, I, I, yesterday I, I watched a few clips from the view as you do every day, as I check out constantly. Cause I'm always keeping my finger on the pulse of culture, man. 
It's beautiful every time. <laughs> um, but but one one of the things that I do kind of you know check out like what's what's the world thinking? How does it yeah. think and how does it feel and reason? And the view for me is is one of those ways, whether I disagree, agree, or whatever, right? And uh, yesterday, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, she and I are friends. We hang out often. <laughs> when she when she says something silly, you go whoopsie. <laughs> um, but but she was wearing a sweatshirt, and they're talking about this. They're talking right. about the tragedy, and the the conversation has already for them. It's it's like just become a political. Are you for guns or against guns? And yeah, and they all have. And and here's what's funny about political conversations is they all come from a place of authority. Like they're right, right? Like there's no there's not really a debate. It's just like. They look at they look on one side and they say the right you're an idiot because you want guns and the right looks at the left and says you're an idiot because you want to take guns and and so school like tragic school shooting tragic violence and it's it's immediately pl- it plunges into a political conversation right it fits already on the uh, the 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 body that they've built it fits already right. on their their views that have that have started yeah there's already a narrative and all of that and so mm-hmm. like okay and we can talk about those narratives all day long and all of that which i don't know at the end of the day how helpful it's it's all being to this point yeah but it it, it intersects for me at a at a spiritual level because uh Whoopi goldberg is wearing a sweatshirt that has four words on it the top words are thoughts and prayers, and the bottom words are policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. And the the words thoughts and prayers have a line drawn through them, right? Line through thoughts, a line through prayers, mm-hmm. and then the at the at the bottom of the two words uh, policies and procedures is no no line through it. So basically, saying like enough with your enough thoughts with and your prayers. thoughts and prayers and policies and procedures are the answer and so immediately i'm like ruminating and reflecting on what does this mean and what does this say and all all of that all of Mm -hmm. that kind of thing so for my first my first thought is like i understand the sentiment right when something like a school shooting which has happened often enough yeah. That our hearts should grieve mm-hmm. the brokenness that we see in the world, the violence that we see, the death that we see. The sentiment is thoughts and prayers are not enough and we need to make changes. And on that sentiment, I think I understand. I don't fully agree with that sentiment. Sure. But I understand it and think, okay, I could see where that where that person would say we need to do more. Mm-hmm. But as a Christian, I can't get all the way on on board because thoughts and prayers, one, when I think of prayers, I think there is not much more we can do when it comes to pleading with God, when mm-hmm. it comes to giving our concern and our care and our like all into saying, God, like we need you. And so my my thing is like, what do we have? Not just what can we do, but what do we have in the, in these moments? We have a God who wants us to bring our thoughts and prayers to Him. Wants us to come to Him and seek Him and uh, seek His His healing hand and 
Um, what do we do when we're grieving? Like we want to draw near to, to God as Christians. We, so it's, it is easy to follow a narrative of like, forget thoughts and prayers. Let's just become like, and, and that that's not a good enough thing. But as Christians, like we're countercultural. And so immediately I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't agree with your sweatshirt. And yeah. I don't, I don't agree with the sentiment of thoughts and prayers are not enough. Um, yeah. the, I, and, and honestly, this, this probably comes across in, in, a, in a rude sense, but to the person who's like thoughts and prayers are not enough, I'm like, you, you don't understand God. Yeah. And you don't understand what prayers really are. I could take, take, I could take thoughts, take it, take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. You know, um, but prayers are, are so powerful and potent. Not that, not that prayer is, is the answer. Right. But that prayer is the place that we we find resolve and strength, even clarity. We we and and because prayer yeah. is not meant to be here's the solution. Prayer is meant to be God here. Here's our issue. Yeah. Well, it's a yeah, and even if it is a solution, it's a solution to a to a far deeper problem. Right. It's, right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we've had a couple of questions that have come in as we've asked, hey, what should we be discussing here? And on a number of occasions, the the question or the request that's come in has been like, how do how do we as Christians interact with politics? And I wouldn't say that. I mean, even as you use the phrase like keep keep your finger on the pulse of society of culture, like I would say that both of us are pretty um, interested in doing that. That's we have a lot of conversations throughout the week. We even had a, a conversation prior to hit and record where where politics. Just because every, I mean, in part is because it's so uh, consuming. Everything kind of everything that's going on in the world gets kicked into the bucket or the inferno, maybe you can call it that, of, of politics right now. Even as you're saying, like some things are it's it's the phrase that I that I like is it's pre political. It's before even like we like politics became a, a part of our society. Like mm-hmm. before all of this touched, but. Um, my first thought is like one i don't i don't think we should be afraid of talking about politics i think we need to frame it in the right way i think i think you're a great example of that i think our conversations are a great example of that we actually almost did a initially when we first talked about doing a podcast the one that i wanted to do uh my my initial idea was to to kind of address some things that are going on in the world and the the title that i wanted to call it was the itch and the, and the idea being there is an itch in the world that can only be scratched by the gospel. And uh, the idea was let's address news and events that are happening and let's explain how the gospel solves this or completely answers it. So maybe this is an example of that, what that conversation would be. But to further answer the question or just jump into like how do we interact with, with politics, which is not what we intended to, to discuss, I think, right now. Um, but I think it's necessary just as a, as a start of the conversation <clears throat> is that each of us has a, has a worldview and a worldview best understood, from my, from my understanding, can be a, a lens, like glasses through which you see the world. And as we get into politics, we touch on things that are uh, significant and impactful and devastating and tragic, like the shooting in Nashville. Um, if you have not intentionally put on your your lens, your worldview, your contact lens, whatever, like it is exposed and shown by the way that we communicate things. 
So the, mm-hmm. the sweatshirt is a perfect example of, of a worldview being shown. And part of it, which maybe this isn't what was intentionally communicated as I'm looking at that, says um, thoughts and prayers are the same as I'm sending good vibes your way. Like I'm, it's, it's a, it's a, a cop out of an answer for, I'm not going to do anything about it. It's like something tragic happens, like, uh, the, the tornado in the Southeast that's ripped through where multiple tornadoes and like people have died and their homes have been destroyed and cities have been done. And like, in part, what's needed is relief and aid. And instead we say, well, we acknowledge that it happened. And I think sometimes we see that as thoughts and prayers. It's like in the book of James when James says, like, if you have a brother or a sister who is cold and without clothes or hungry and without food and you say, go and be fed and go and be warm, you've done nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, offer something. And I think our our worldview gets shown when we say something like uh, thoughts and prayers are of no help because what we view prayers as are like uh, well wishes. Here's a here's a greeting card when what you need is like a, a hot meal, mm-hmm. and right. <clears throat> and that's that was that's kind of my interaction as you're explaining that is what it's. It's not that thoughts and prayers are not enough. It's not that prayers are not enough. It's that we have completely devalued the who is the one who is in charge. Yeah. Well, and, and, and I think there is, so I think this is where this conversation becomes multifaceted because the sentiment I don't think is completely wrong where there are some of us who have taken a back seat, right? And we're like, hmm. well, the only thing that God calls us to do is to, is to pray. And well, there's, there's more to the engagement than that. Right. Yeah. And when we talk about like, when we say it's like something's political, Political is almost nothing definitionally. It's like you're politicking for something, you know, you're, you, you have, there's been a stance that's been made. Well, that's just a stance that's been made. There's no, it doesn't become political until a few other people stand on either side of the stance and try and play kind of tug of war with it. Mm-hmm. And you're politicking, trying to get other people to see your side and to right. go your way. So everything that gets brought up is actually something that's personal or, or, uh, something that affects the greater community, and so it's cultural, but it's not political until we start to like lock arms. Yeah, yeah, and and so, uh, so that's uh, most people's interest in politics is not about it being political. It actually comes from a conviction um, or a or a worldview, like you're saying. Where they where they are like, man, my worldview is different from yours. Now I want to pull other people with me to then go and you know honestly uh, um, debate across the aisle, yeah. right? Um, and and so and and that that is a sign and probably a symptom of like where we're really unhealthy is is we keep these tragedies happen. And instead of grief and mourning and all of the things that that should accompany prayer, honestly, mm-hmm. we immediately run to blame and um, finger pointing and and solution giving that's typically nearsighted and not all the way thought out or thought you know collectively. Um, and and so as Christians, we should be we should be engaging. We should be praying and then and then acting right there's 
there's uh, a level of we should be engaging to change culture. Like, like here's the thing that I think sometimes we get lost in, in, in the church sometimes is um, some of us are called to peaceful, quiet, like kind of like, you know, mind your own business kind of lives that are just like work, work with your hands and what, what, what uh, Paul tells Timothy and all, all of these kinds of things. But there's also a level of we need people who are engaged in media and journalism and at the education levels to be influential, mm-hmm. right? Like to change. We're not going to change. We're not going to just change culture um, with a solution of we'll all just read our Bibles and pray that that. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I get, you know, and I, this is what I hand, right? Go and make followers of Jesus, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'm with you till the end of the age, which is not a, it's not a, it's not marching orders to go into culture and just say, oh, you know, we'll just, we'll keep our doors closed. It's so that we'll engage with people. Yep. We'll get to know people and we'll engage with a culture that is, is, far from God, but we're drawing them into the kingdom of God yeah, as be, as the, the authority. And being in the midst, yeah. And I think uh, another passage that came to my mind in James, he says, he says, understand, brothers, you all are supposed to be this way. Quick to listen, that's a good, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I think sometimes we take that as like, oh, we shouldn't talk politics, or we shouldn't be a part of these things, because it's getting a little heated. In the opposite uh, direction is is a lot of our society right now, which is like get a headline and then you go out and, and parrot or 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 share what you think should be happening. And really, what our perspective as believers should be is not necessarily tuck, like hide your head in the ground like a ostrich or whatever, chicken. Maybe that's the phrase. Um, it, but we should be somewhat educated. We should be we should be fairly educated and 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 having prayed through before we before we speak, and that's completely like in the opposite direction of a lot of what the cultural tide says, at least in experience. So as we as we talk about like policies or whatever, our immediate responsibility should be to listen to quietly take in, ask questions, which is like, that's such a great example of how to, how to love the world in general is to just quietly ask questions, to put the focus on others, mm-hmm. to understand where people are coming from, to be empathetic and compassionate, and then be able to respond in a way that is like uh, biblically informed, that's thoughtful, that's ultimately caring and loving. And then just even the last part of that sentence, like, and, and, and be slow to anger, like recognize what a, what an antithetical statement from from how these discussions go mm-hmm. like quick the, a better way of of like diagnosing how we discuss this stuff is like quick to speak mm-hmm. slow to listen and quick to anger like just light a flame right now and then we'll figure it out as it goes and that's like the exact that's the exact opposite wisdom that we were given yeah, which which I think that's the danger for Christians is that we are we can we can become more influenced by the world than we are by the word hmm. where we kind of take our orders from the culture that we're in and not the word that is in us in, in in other in other words like that 
that too often our eyes and emotions and our ears are in tune with what is being said outwardly, Mm -hmm. that we're not in tune with like, hey, what's the spirit doing and saying? What's God working through? And we've taken that personal like relationship with God away from the situations that we find ourselves. And then we're swayed easily by politics, the world, culture, whatever it may be, because we've just stopped listening for God. We've stopped reading what he says. We've, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and that also takes, and, and it, and it takes away the humanity of, of, of what, of what takes place too. We, we then don't treat one another as human beings. We treat each other as objects that can be screamed at or yelled at. Um, which, which at the end of the day, a school shooting like this happens, because of dehumanization, because of, sure. you know, you don't matter and I'm going to make a point and uh, I'm going to, you know, this this is the, the ultimate end that I must come to is like I'm going to take others out with me, that that kind of thing. Um, it reminded me, uh, Corey Ten Boom um, said this, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Hmm. That, which I like, that's, I I read that quote and I'm like, I feel that in in a week like this. I feel when I look to the world, it's distressed. When I look inwardly, it's like, well, what do I have as an answer in and of myself? Not, not anything. But when I look to God, that's my starting point. I find peace. I find uh, just his presence alone helps to helps me navigate the the complexities and the sadness and the and the grief and the fear. Right, like as a as a as a dad who sends his kids to school um, and drops my kids off. Like, okay, I'm I'm gonna drive away. Is this the last time that I'll see my kids? You know, not to extrapolate it out to this happens all the time everywhere, but like, right, but that's but, still there. Right, and and. And not just coping with all of that, but saying, man, the, that's why, that's so like the daily walk with God is so critically important because you, in, in, in times of emergency, where do you run? You run to the thing that you've always run to. Right. You, yep. you run to the thing that it, what, that, that you ran to when there wasn't an emergency. Because it's the thing that brought you comfort and peace, and and so like, like a coach sometimes in ministry, it it sometimes feels redundant to preach sermons like run to Jesus, give your all to God. It's like, yeah. well, what else can we say? Well, part of it is like, no, we need to say that every single day, because we don't know what tomorrow holds, and our prayer is that in the midst of of tragedy, we're still running to God. We're we're giving Him. Uh, what we have and that's why like it's like man i would never x out thoughts and prayers that's the thing we're trying to get people to 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 grasp hold of and play a role in in our actions yeah for sure i think just if like you can zoom out a little bit it is interesting when when something tragic or significant happens it it, as christians we're called to be self-evaluative like we is that the right word Sounded sure. good. I should have just rolled with it to be continually self-evaluating, and it it is really interesting when our backs are up against the wall or we see something 
that it like pushes us to the limit it shows the things that we are tethered to most like it if our response is to just stop and sit by ourselves and put our head in the sand do the fingers in the ears la 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 pretend like it doesn't happen like like it didn't happen like that shows something if our response is to go praying and talking to god right now is going to do nothing like that also shows what we value so it's it, just even in thinking of like a <clears throat> like a, a decision tree like where we can go to like there's one side where our our response can be just hiding out from the world, which is not what God's called us to. I think there's another side, which you and I have talked a little more at length about, is like this mentality that like doing anything is the solution no matter what. Like it is so um, anti-compassionate to just slow down and to ask questions that the the cultural tide kind of pushes us to like just make a decision, make a policy change, do something, because at least that is showing that you care. And if we want to be people of, like this has been our kind of our statement this year, right? We want to be people of the word and we mm-hmm. want to be people of prayer. Like we should be tethered to what does God say about the world what and, and, and interacting with what he says and then coming to him with it. God, what do you want us to do with this and move forward? So even the, the illustration that you used a couple of weeks ago, I think is really timely with the idea of like we just continue to pour the coffee. Like mm-hmm. it's some to some degree we need to, yes, be be active and to go out and love people, which is the serving. We're serving people that if you didn't get to listen to it, the, the, the analogy that, that Travis looked is that Travis described is when you are on a plane, the person that you look to when there's turbulence is the flight attendant. If the flight attendant's freaking out and like praying the rosary or something like that, you're like, Oh gosh, something's not going well. But if if the flight attendant, when there's turbulence, you're bouncing around, people are starting to get a little anxious, is is pouring coffee and, like, asking you what you're going to do when you land, then, like, that's how you know things are all right. And that's our, that's our role as believers is to serve in the good and the bad when things are looking, looking awful, when things are looking hopeful, to serve and at the same time be like, yeah, it's kind of crazy out there. Like, this is a terrible thing. God didn't want the world to look like this. But did you know Jesus? Mm-hmm. And I just love the idea of like being te- like just being the people of the word and people of prayer requires one not looking inward, as the uh, Corey Ten Boom thing says, and not looking like completely externally, but looking at God. What have you done? Because you've defeated and conquered the greatest um, issue that we have. Yeah. Well, and 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 it should be said as Christians, when we think about prayer, it's not a. I think sometimes that gets the the line marked through it because people are like that's a passive activity you're just being passive yeah you don't have anything to offer so you're just going to do the most passive low level low bar thing that you can do and mm-hmm. make yourself feel good pat yourself on the back and it's like well the way that we understand uh, understand prayer in scripture is like let's put our ima- let's put our minds on Jesus taught us how to pray it was important to the disciples because they saw him getting away constantly to go and pray. What is Jesus doing before he is arrested and crucified? He's in the garden praying. And he says to his disciples, like, will you stay up and pray with me? Like, we just stay up. And like, and so he's pleading with God. He's praying to God. And then, then this is the other thing that's so incredible about prayer is that right now it says, uh, 
both in Hebrews and Romans actually talks about this, mm-hmm. that, that what Jesus is doing, he's alive, he's, he's been resurrected and he's alive and he's mm-hmm. interceding on our behalf right now at the, at the right hand of the Father. And, and so when we, when we pray in these moments of tragedy and when we pray in moments of, of complete normalcy, what is what we are doing is we're joining with Jesus in the, the constant activity that's been true from from day one for him, right? That we are participating in the function and form of communication with God, and we're letting God have it all, and we are joining in the mission that Jesus is on, and and so there should be some solace that we receive, not just the fact that we're talking to God but that Jesus is taking our prayers to God and, and that um, prayer is something that, that God hears and listens to and acts on and like all, all of the above. Um, It does something to our hearts, but it also, it does something to align us with heaven and align us with the kingdom and align us with the the heart of God and teaches us who he is and all the above. It's uh, Hebrews 7.25 that he is able to, uh, once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. And then Romans eight thirty four, it is Christ who died, and it is also Christ who who uh, has is risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's even a challenge for those of us, and I fall guilty in this category um, to. When we just say, when our response is, all right, I will be praying for that, or I'm praying for you and stuff like that, um, rather than and saying that and then that being a hollow promise. Yeah. Because it's not that God doesn't, even if we stop and say, like, Jesus, pray for, I, I pray for this person, like, be with them. Like, it's not that that's a hollow prayer, but, like, taking that more seriously. Yeah. And actually sitting and, and trying to lock arms with Jesus in that and pray and just sit and call upon him because that is a real that is a, a reality at the very least I will confess in my life where I say like oh you your your aunt is having leg surgery okay like I'll be praying for her without slowing down and spending time like actually having a softened heart and coming to Christ for, for yeah. that yeah no that's a good that's a good point um, maybe a maybe a good place for us to land, since we are talking thoughts and prayers, is just to just to pray for for those people in Nashville. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I I was looking this up too, though. Um, just just their names, um, those who were killed in in uh, Nashville this week. Mm-hmm. Um, Evelyn Dykus, uh, she was nine years old. Um, they uh, uh, Mike Hill. He was 61 years old. He was a custodian at the school. Um, he was a father of seven kids. Um, we also have Catherine Kuntz. She was 60 years old, um, who was the head of the school, um, and uh, had family. We had Cynthia Peak, who was a substitute teacher at the school. Um, she was 61. Um, and um, let's see, then we have... Uh, Haley Scruggs, who was also nine years old. Um, she was the daughter of Covenant Presbyterian Church lead pastor Chad Scruggs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and um, so they're they're uh, mourning for sure. And then um, also William Kenny, uh, also age nine. There wasn't any details on on William Kenny, but those three that have died. Um, and and uh, and and for like this is this you know it's like the shooter uh, and their family like the the 28 year old mm-hmm. um, their family who um, lost a, a daughter and uh, the the amount of pain and th- that side of of grief uh, where you're dealing with grief but yeah. everyone's looking at your family like you're the so as as a Christian, here's this radical grace and forgiveness that we're trying to hold while we also grieve these these children and mm-hmm. these the custodian, the head, the teacher, um, you know, all of it. So, yeah, let's uh, let's lift up uh, prayer. I'll start us, and you want to you want to yep. finish. Yep. Father God, we we um, we come to you, and uh, this week there's been so much discussion. But, Lord, I pray that there has been more prayer. Lord, the things that have come to you, the things that have been brought up to you already, um, I know that you are well aware of. I know that Jesus has been interceding on our behalf and on behalf of these families. Father, we just ask for your comfort and your peace and your grace to be felt in this moment. Father, we pray um, for the families who are now picking up the pieces of, of their loved ones' lives being lost and taken. Father, it, it is in these times of suffering where we don't know exactly uh, how to deal with everything, God. Um, it's, it's, it, is, uh, it seems unfair. It seems heinous and evil, Father, it, it, and we, we see it and, and how awful it was this week, God. We pray, Father, for you to help us as we as we grieve, help the families as they grieve, um, and help us um, as we've discussed today to put the um, the news and the the story and the all, all of the details that come out. God, we can so quickly run to a side to argue about, but God, let us first go to a place of of uh, just just asking you to be the Lord over it, to guide us, to direct us, to, to heal us. Um, Father, uh, Father, we just, we just lift, um, we lift them up to you. We ask your, your grace. Uh, Lord, we also, we also ask, Father, um, as we think about, Lord, we want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means we want peace. We don't want to just know it. We want to experience it and feel it and sense it. Um, and so, Father, I just pray that in this uh, tragedy that many will come to know peace only through you, um, that that's the only place where peace truly exists. So help us to put our faith there, put our faith in you only by the blood of Jesus. Thank you for dying for us so that we could see what you do to evil. You sacrifice yourself. You, you forgive us our sins, and you have defeated death. You're the only one who's overcome death, Father only one who's overcome the world. So let us look to you as our answer. And Father, after we're done praying, I pray that we'll be people who are counseling and and giving wisdom and guidance and serving and being open with our kids and protecting and all of the above, God, that we wouldn't be passive, but active after we pray, Father. Yeah, Lord, the book of Hebrews talks about how 
we do not have a high priest who can't relate to us. Um, Lord, you have you have seen and endured tragedy. Um, God, you have mourned uh, death. You have you have seen brokenness, and you love and care more than more than we can fathom, and more than we could ever uh, mimic. So, God, we just thank you for that. We thank you that you are not a passive deity who sits and waits for the end of time, God, but that you are a heavenly father who, who has compassion and love for his people. Father, just thank you for um, <clears throat> thank you for the truth that those that those children are at home with you, um, even as I know the the pastor of that church and the father of one of those little girls has said like she is in the father's arms now. God, I just thank you for that faith. I thank you for that that direction and that proclamation by that man. Just pray for pray for those that that know you, that are following you, that are your people um, in Nashville and the surrounding areas. God, that that they would be a a light and a witness towards uh, your love. That they would be able to um, adopt the love that Jesus you have offered them and you have offered the world, so that it might be a revolutionary time for others' lives. Um, that they would be blessed by the self-sacrificing, self-giving um, humility and love that you offered in Christ. God, I just pray for, for those of us that, that don't have any uh, any connection to that area, that we would just be uh, laboring in prayer, just reflecting and lifting these people up to you um, continually, God, that, that it would be uh, a time like this that would shape our lives so that we can love others, um, that we can more effectively understand the gospel for our own hearts, um, be able to communicate it to others. Um, God, that you would prepare us for difficult times in our lives so that we can stay anchored into to your word and, and to you, God. Um, we do not understand um, why things like this happen, God, but we, we know that you are good through them. So I just pray for, for faith, uh, pray for for good conversations, hard conversations, but ultimately they would all point to you and your goodness and your love, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.